Welcome to the Sorority Nutritionist Podcast. I'm your host, registered dietitian and weight loss BFF, Lauren Hubert. Growing up as a woman, I was told that you can't care about your looks, wear whatever you want, and be successful. But honey, let me give it to you real. You can have it all. I believe women can embody strength, sexuality, and power all at the same time. And in fact, I know the harder you feel, the more successful you will be. Each week, we are changing the narrative that women can be hot and successful at the same damn time and do it in a healthy way. Hey, babes. Welcome back to another episode of the Sorority Nutritionist Podcast. I am your host, Lauren Hubert, registered dietitian and your weight loss BFF. Today is a very special day. Every day is a special day, but we are all full of first recently on TSN Podcast, and we have someone talking about something that I have never publicly talked about on the Sorority Nutritionist Podcast which of course is going to be a little controversial, might make some of you uncomfortable, but I am here to make you uncomfortable. I'm here to make you push yourself, think about things differently. And let's be real. A lot of you babes are going to resonate with this topic and it is all things sex, sexuality, owning your sexiness and doing the dirty to be real. So without further ado, I am so excited for my interview. It was so incredible getting the opportunity to have Dana B. Myers on the podcast. She is an award-winning entrepreneur, product developer, author, and media personality. In 2005, she founded the sexy lifestyle brand Booty Parlor and created success with retailers such as Victoria's Secret, Henry Bendel, and Ulta. Booty Parlor is now a widely distributed international brand. As a speaker and expert on sexual empowerment, Dana is known for her frank and funny style, which inspires women to reclaim the power of their sensuality and sexual satisfaction. Since becoming a mom, she's focused her work on helping mothers prioritize their pleasure and evolve their intimate partnerships within the chaos and exhaustion of parenthood. On today's episode, we honestly have such a candid conversation and something I didn't even recognize is the pressures women have in the bedroom to be a certain way are very similar and kind of intertwined with the pressure we have to look a certain way. And I was so blown away by how many of you babes actually responded to my Instagram story ahead of this podcast recording, sharing some of the insecurity, some of your fear, some of the the frustrations in your sexual life right now that have to do not only with your experience in in sexual relationships, but also with your body. Because we can't talk about sex without talking about body confidence and how you look. And while no number on the scale is going to make you feel hot, at the end of the day, feeling hot and feeling sexy is a mindset you're into. And you have to learn to love yourself. You have to learn what pleasure is that Dana talks all about. And you have to just feel your absolute best to get the most out of your sexual partnerships and the most out of life in general. So I'm so excited to welcome Dana on today's show. Let's dive right in. Today, I am here with Dana and babes. Let me tell you, I got all of your questions. We are actually talking about sex. Yes, I'm saying that word sex on my podcast because when you're talking about confident and being sexy, of course, the word sex and intimacy and sexuality, all these things really play into it. So without further ado, welcome, Dana. Hi, thanks for having me, babes. I'm so excited. And yes, you're already catching, catching what I'm putting down. We always say babes over here and we want you guys to feel like a babe. Um, okay, Dana. So talk to me about what makes you feel like your hottest and most sexiest self. Mm. What makes me feel like my hottest and sexiest self is always pleasure and beauty. 
And so I have a very consistent self-pleasure practice. I've been married for 18 years. We have great sex, but I masturbate every single week, no matter what. That is my moment to connect with myself, to connect with my body, um, to really explore my capacity for pleasure because pleasure for me is so linked to self-love mm-hmm. and beauty as well. I grew up in a beauty parlor. My mom was a makeup artist. I saw like that quick transformation that, that can happen for a woman on the inside and the out with a little bit of lip gloss. So you will always find me, I'd say five days out of seven, put on a little concealer, a little blush and a little lip gloss. And that just instantly makes me feel hot and confident. Yeah. Oh my God. I love this. And you know what I always get so mad about? Like people say like, don't hide behind makeup. Like you have to be all natural, but I'm one of those people. I love doing my hair. I love doing my makeup. I'm still the same person. Yes. You can like contour and do really cool things. Things that like, I'm not very good at like a professional makeup artist is great at, but like, what are your thoughts on that type of beauty growing up in a beauty parlor and like seeing people do kind of cosmetic things like that and knowing like still your self-worth is linked to like who you are, but like changing your outside. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Sure. For me, I can draw a stick figure, right? I don't have any artistic, any visual artistic ability except with makeup. So for me, makeup is very much a creative expression that also helps me feel good. People will say, do I need a vibrator? No, but it's like, do you need a lip gloss? No, but both of those things still make me feel good. Mm. And so for me, I don't rely on external beauty. I don't rely on external validation, but external beauty gives me joy. And I'm, I am born to experience as much joy as I can. So for me, like, let me paint my face. That's fun. And the fact that it also makes me feel good and look good. It's like, great. But you check those boxes. Let's go party. Yeah. And you know what? It's sort of like enhanced. That's the word I'm thinking of. Like it's, it's like, you are amazing. You're a shining star to begin with all of you babes listening to this, but it's like, if there are certain things that can enhance who you are, how you act, how you feel about yourself, like why should you ever feel guilty about that at the end of the day, whether it's masturbation, whether it is confidence with wearing makeup, whether it's an outfit or whether it's losing weight. Absolutely. And you know, people will say, you know, we live in a patriarchal society, right? That has always said, you know, women should be pleasing and pretty. And I say F that, but also that doesn't mean I don't want to feel pretty. It's almost like a stance against what society tells me. I'm going to put makeup on for myself, not for you. This is for me. You can't tell me what makes me feel good. And makeup doesn't make everyone feel good, but it does make me feel good. So I think it's always like, what is that thing that makes you feel good? Is it makeup? Is it hair? Is it fragrance? Is it fitness? Is it affirmations in the mirror? Is it masturbation? Is it all of those things? Define that and claim it and do those things unapologetically for yourself. Yeah. And I have to ask, have you always been this way, right? Like when people see me on social media being outspoken, they're like, oh, like this bitch has just been like confident forever. I'm like, little did you know, five years ago, like I was not this person. Um, Have you always been this way? And if not, tell us what you were like before. So like I said, I grew up with this makeup artist mother who was incredibly confident and incredibly in touch with her femininity. And so I really saw that as something, as a great model for me to follow. Was I, you know, a pimply teenager? Did I struggle with my weight? Did I struggle to find boys to date? Yes, all of the above. 
Did I have a, you know, quarter life crisis at 25? I sure did. But I have always had a foundation of loving myself. And that was really instilled in me by my mom and my dad. And, and they always acknowledged who I was without trying to change me. And I'm so grateful for that. And that is what I try to do with my children as well. So in a way, yes, I've always had a natural foundation of confidence, but have I had so many ups and downs? Yes. Have I made so many mistakes in my sexual life? Did I make bad choices? Yes. All of the above. But I always knew if I come back to self-love, if I come back to confidence and believing in myself, then everything else would always pan out. Even if it, even if it got rocky for me and it did, of course it did. Yeah. And I think it's that, that it's the unwavering belief that you can do this, whether it's, I mean, we talk about that with like business and life, but like other parts of our life, including whether it's your sex life, whether it's your confidence, whether it's you being able to show up and give a presentation or speech in whatever capacity at someone's like wedding or whatever it could be like, it, it's just that confidence. And you've, from what I'm hearing, like you've really had that in you, but like any successful person, which, you know, we don't talk about, there were moments where you doubted yourself. There's moments every day. I mean, there's an unwavering belief in myself. And yet every day I come up against something that I might not know how to do. I might wake up with anxiety about what's on my plate. I might wake up 20 pounds heavier after quarantine. (laughs) All of those things are true, but it's the unwavering belief that says, okay, let's ground, let's center. What's the feeling? Okay. What are you feeling? I answer myself. I'm anxious. Okay, you're anxious. What do you need right now? I need you to tell me it's going to be okay. Hey, babe, it's going to be okay. I mean, I have these conversations with myself all day. What's the next right action that I can take to work through my anxiety? Look at what's logical. Look at what your rational mind is thinking and look at what your heart is feeling and try to bring those two closer together. So all day long, I'm working with whatever I'm facing and trying and using that baseline of confidence and belief in myself to, to, to get to normal again, to get to steady again, to get to happy again. But it's love that. all day long, it's up and down. And it's literally never ending. Like it literally is, even it happens to me too, where like I get anxiety, like, like the things people don't get anxiety. Like, I feel like the more you work on yourself, the more you are able to deal with your anxiety, but the the more like levels you go through life, the more success you see, the more you challenge yourself, the more anxiety you're opening up into your life. And I don't mean that in a pessimistic way, but like you need ways to deal with that. And if you don't deal with it, it's just going to compound and you're going to feel worse about it. Absolutely. And it's also, you know, a very organic process that happens with aging as well. I mean, I'm now in my mid forties, I'm 45 and I'm, I'm really sure that I was 25 yesterday, but I don't know, don't know where the time went, but it's sort of like now more than ever, I feel as though I am rooting into myself, rooting into my world, blooming within myself instead of constantly running and racing and reaching, reaching for that number on the scale, reaching for that next big win or that book deal or that success with my brand. It's like, And reaching for that external validation. That's that thing again. It's like you grow, you learn, you age, and suddenly you realize the only validation I need, I can give to myself. And that took me a lot of time and a lot of hard lessons and and hard knocks. But I can honestly say it, it feels really good 
to, to get here. And I know I have more work to do, but that's a big thing, not attaching our worth to something that's external. That's yeah. the biggest thing, right? It's so hard to do. And I think this perfectly ties in with a lot of the questions I actually got from the Fit Babes. So many women were, especially the older women that do follow me and are part of TSN who have kids who are even say like in their thirties and they're having like a a 30 year old crisis of like, oh my God, my body feels different than I even did at 20. Or even for the Fit Babe women out there that are in their forties, fifties, or even sixties, like how can you feel hot and sexy as your body is changing. And I know just to frame this guys, we, before recording this, we're talking about how, as we get older, there are normal body processes that are going to change. Your body is going to look different. You're not going to look like you did at 15 years old and nor should we want to look like what we look like in high school. But at the end of the day, how can we also feel hot and sexy as we get older? Because we don't have to simmer down our hotness, no matter what our age is, we can stay hot our entire lives. Totally. I always say I want to be, you know, sexy in my 70s and erotic in my 80s and naughty in my 90s. I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to keep it going. I'm going to keep it going. Um, But listen, you know, I've had two kids. My body has grown and shrunk and expanded. My second child was a C-section. I lost so much strength. That day, I went from being a strong pregnant person to being a weak postpartum woman who had no idea what happened to my body, who could no longer even walk. I mean, it was shocking. And so I really had to rebuild not just my strength and my health after each child, but my understanding of my body, um, how I connected to my body. And and as women, we go through our whole lives, babies are not like expanding and shrinking, expanding and shrinking. So what I always come back to are respect Because everyone can be like, you should love yourself. Stand in the mirror. Be like, boobies, you're beautiful. But a starting point for that is respect. Like, I respect my breasts for all that they do, for all that they feel, for how they, you know, how they look in a tank top. Whatever it is, respect. Find as many little statements of respect that you can and just map your body. I respect my arms for carrying the food that nourishes my family. I respect my thighs for holding up my body. I respect my toes, you know, for gripping the mat and yoga. I respect my big ass for, you know, for swiveling and, you know, and giving people a show on the street, like whatever it is. And you can add humor. I think yeah. so often we get so serious and our body love and our affirmations, but like be outrageous, but rooted in respect. And the second thing I would say is put some pleasure on it. Like hashtag put some pleasure on it. You feel bad about your body, put pleasure on it, have an orgasm, massage yourself, dress up, look in the mirror, put it on something that feels amazing, have an orgasm, you know, okay, your body just gained 20 pounds, put some pleasure on it. It's very hard to be down on your body when you're in the middle of a mind-blowing orgasm. And that's not going to necessarily like erase the challenges or the doubts that you have about yourself or the the inner critic. It's not going to quiet that inner critic forever. But in that moment, practicing pleasure is practicing self-love and practicing body love. So respect, finding statements of respect and putting pleasure on top of it, for me, those are really the two guiding lights of staying connected and in love with my body as I've 
changed a lot in the last 10 years. Yeah. So especially after having kids and going through so much of a body transformation that was a different body transformation than, oh, I dieted and I didn't care about my body and I gained weight. Um, Cause many women do tell me that, but like, obviously weight gain during pregnancy is extremely normal and it's not even normal. It's required. And I say this to women all the time, like, I, I no, you're not going to work with me when you're trying to get pregnant and you're trying to, um, carry a child in you and grow that human. Like you, your body needs to grow and we have to be okay with that, which can be really difficult when we're already struggling with our weight. But then after you have one, two, three, four, even five kids, however many kids you have, how can you still feel sexy to even want to have sex? right? Like if you don't feel sexy because not just how your body looks, but you're feeling run down, you're in that mom life right now. Like what, what would you tell those women that feel that way? Well, I would first say, you know, let's focus on, I always say, turn on your brain to turn on your body. Right. So if you're exhausted and you have a ton of kids, the last thing you're thinking about is sex. So it's also the last thing that you want, right? Um, Whatever we think about, gets more of our attention. So taking even five minutes a day to bring your brain back to sex and sensuality, taking out your journal and writing down the best orgasm you ever had, the most romantic sex you ever had, and maybe one fantasy. And that's very unusual. Nobody really tells you, oh, do this. I have not given that journal prompt to my clients, (laughs) but there we go. (laughs) Yeah. So take five minutes a day um, to write down something sexy. Start connecting your brain, plugging your brain back into sex and sensuality and pleasure. Start paying attention to the pleasurable inputs and the sensual cues that already exist in your life. So I never walk past a flower without looking really closely at that flower and being like, oh my God, look at the way this flower is blooming. Look at the petals opening. Look at the colors. Look at the richness. Oh, this one has a little like bit of like sap or something. And so And then I imagine my own flower blooming, right? If I'm at the grocery store, and I tell this one all the time, if I'm at the grocery store and I'm in the produce aisle, I always stop and look at the carrots. And I'm always like, oh, that one looks extra shiny and hard or long or thick. And and then I'm not really thinking about using those carrots as a sex toy, but I'm letting those carrots just stimulate some sort of cheeky, sensual thoughts in my brain. Um, And then suddenly I've got cheeky sensual thoughts percolating inside my body and I'm not just running through my to-do list. I'm not just on that internal loop where I'm lamenting all the domestic duties that I have. I'm intentionally shifting my brain towards sexier thoughts. Yeah. When you do that, it's a cumulative effect. It doesn't happen overnight. But when you do that, set a reminder on your phone or wear a rubber band on your wrist, when you actively look for stimulation within the regular course of your daily life, after a few days, after a few weeks, sensuality starts to kind of hum in your body in a new way. I never tell women, oh, we'll just schedule sex right away and get back in the game because we have to, as women, reconnect with the sensuality within us before we can jump back in the sack. So you turn on your brain to turn on your body, you know, masturbate five, 10 minutes with yourself once a week, lay down, remember how pleasure feels like put the kids on iPads if they're still in the house and go take your moment of pleasure. Um, And so those are just a couple ways to start 
generating some sensual energy again after you've really been kind of out of that mode of operating. Yeah. And you know, this is a question I know my girlfriends have talked about this. I know actually some of my followers and some of the women who listen to this podcast were really curious about it. What are your thoughts on like how often you should be having sex with your partner? Because I feel like there's so much like misinformation about it. And then a really big thing that a lot of women also share with me is this idea like men are just way more sexual than women. And so if you're not as sexual as the partner that you're with, like there's something wrong with you. And I know a lot of women feel guilt about that as well. So how often should you be having sex and, and being intimate with your partner? And also, is it okay to be less sexual than your partner as a woman? Okay. How often I talk about this a lot. What's normal is what's normal for you. Mm. But it has to be in this kind of co-creation and collaboration with your partner, right? So what's normal for some couples is that they have amazing sex once a month, right? I was just talking to a woman the other day and she said, we have amazing sex once a month. And I said, well, cool. That's awesome. Tell me more about it. She told me more about it. And I said, but are you both happy with the frequency? And she said, actually, no. And I said, is he more unhappy or are you more unhappy? Or are you both kind of in the same, you know, kind of the same place? And so then you start to understand, okay, where's your partner at? Where are you at? And you can have that conversation. Babe, in an ideal world, how often would you like to be having sex? And he might say twice a week. And you might go, oh my God, like there's no way that I could have desire for twice a week, but okay, maybe once a week. So you say, once, right? So then you just kind of, I don't want to use the word negotiate, but you collaborate. You collaborate to find a frequency and a consistency that works for you both. That might be once a week. That might be one long session a week where you both bring creative ideas to the table and one quickie. Like if his desire, he's like, babe, I need sex four times a week. You're like, okay, well, I want it once, but then I want, I genuinely want to give you pleasure. So I'm going to give you a little like manual pleasure or oral pleasure, but I don't need to receive that time. So you kind of can create this, you know, you have a blank canvas that you can create with your partner. But again, we're not taught how to have these conversations. Not at all. So then women get into this state where they go, I'm not normal. I feel pressure. Then I reject him. And then we get into this pressure rejection cycle. It's really bad for your relationship. But if you can just have the bravery and find the word choices to say, hey, let's sit down and talk about this. What's great about our sex life? What could be better? And how do we co-create a sex life that feels really exciting and compassionate and addresses both of our needs and desires? And then you literally sketch it out. And then you stick to it and you try that. Okay, we sat down, we had a glass of wine. We, we agreed we were going to try to have sex twice a week. Let's commit to that for four weeks in a row. Let's really commit to it and see how we feel in four weeks. Let's have another check-in. Let's ask the same questions four weeks later. It's a horrible thing that women are made to feel guilty if they have, quote unquote, low desire. Because really, what is low desire anyway? Um, that's like some construct that we don't really I almost know. feel like it's a cultural norm yeah. that we have started to use 
but it's what's also really weird about this all is we don't talk about any of this. Like there's no, there's no sex education in this way in school, right? I was taught sex is bad. Don't do it. Condoms. And, oh, you know, you have to keep that very private because if you don't, you're a slut. (laughs) That is literally what is being taught to young women. And so to bring this conversation on the podcast is amazing because like sex is very normal. Right. And like, it should not be such a taboo thing to even talk about. Totally. It's as important as eating, drinking, sleeping, fitness. It's a key component of our lives that has been, you know, has had this taboo and this stigma placed on it. I mean, so much is changing now, even from the time I started my brand 15 years ago to now the cultural landscape around sex has changed tremendously And it's become um, not just easier to talk about, but much more female empowered, right? Whereas we used to always only see sex and advertising through the male gaze. And that's really changing. We're really seeing from the female's point of view and perspective. Mm -hmm. And yet we've got like thousands of years of patriarchal constructs around sex to unpack. Um, I don't believe that, you know, women just biologically have lower desire. Um, I think that we've definitely been conditioned to believe it though. Mm. And I'm really drawing similarities between the conversation around sex being really taboo and actually weight loss is not a taboo topic, right? But it actually is becoming kind of a taboo topic because well, also relating to sex, like there are cultural and societal norms of what many women should look like also depending on your race and ethnicity too. Like there's a whole big conversation there going on, but now weight loss is becoming this thing where it's bad if you even want to lose weight, cause then you're conforming to societal norms. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? And also have you ever noticed that connection between like sex and the weight loss industry, how like both of them are really both very heavily impacted by cultural norms? Absolutely. And, you know, it's very interesting. My son is a big boy. He's turning 11. He was born a big boy. He's always been a big boy. He's still a big boy. And he's super confident by nature. And of course, you know, the worry of a parent is always like, will he be teased? Oh my God, when is he going to be teased for being the quote unquote fat kid? And do I have, you know, preconceived notions about fat kids? And all these things have been brought up. And it is a taboo thing to kind of talk about. You know, it's a very strange thing. Like people don't, and and the sugar in the schools and all these things, it's really, um, excuse my French, it's a real mind fuck to not know how to talk about this and to also, to also notice how much shame is automatically put on weight and on sex. But to be the mother of a child who is overweight, it's like, oh my God, there's like a whole wheelbarrow of cultural shame that's already put upon this child. Um, And so as a mom, I'm very much in this space of like, how do we make sure he's healthy? Because that's number one. How do we um, not bust his innate confidence? And how do we sort of prepare him with the tools to really be confident about the body he's in? But again, while managing the health aspect, it's very confusing. And then also my brother is a bariatric surgeon. And so I'm like, you know, huge controversy in that industry as well. Uh, 
And yet, and yet he calls me and he tells me about the lives that he saved. So it's, it's like such a crazy issue. I'm not an expert. I'm a mom trying to figure it out for myself, but, uh, I guess the most important thing with anything you have going on in your life with sex, with weight is to like, know what you want and work with what you got and come back to love and respect for yourself, regardless of what society's telling you. And society has a lot to say. They have a lot to say. If you choose one thing, you're wrong for another group of people. And I think with weight loss, you know, at TSN, we really cultivate this idea that it's okay to want to lose weight or change your body composition, but it's like being hot does not have a size on the scale. It doesn't have a size in clothing. It doesn't, it's not a particular weight or a particular way of looking. It's about having that respect for yourself. And that's why weight loss, you have this preconceived notion of what you guys out there listening to this may think what weight loss really is, but really it's about how are you going to feel most confident? That's what you need to ask yourself. And I think the same way with sex, we're told not to talk about it. We're told not to really do it unless like you listen to a podcast that's a little bit edgy like this. And the fact that this is edgy is kind of crazy, but you know, know. at the end of the day, like also with sex and pleasure and partnerships and relationships, like that's also something that has to come from respect. And like, you have to love yourself to be able to do this work. Totally. Totally. And, and it's something that, you know, a thought that I just had, it's like, I teach my son about pleasure, not about sexual pleasure yet. Cause I mean, we talk about sex and I educate him, but we're not onto the, like the sexual pleasure bit, but I teach him about his pleasure in food and in, you know, sort of bringing mindfulness to that and his pleasure in playing with his friends. Because so often it's like, we see sex, sexual pleasure as this thing that's outside of our normal life and we separate it. But what if we like integrated it into the world of pleasures that are available to us? I think we'd all just be so much more normal. Yeah. Like (laughs) almost like going to work is so normalized and honestly, burnout is so normalized after when this episode airs, you, you babes, I would have already heard it. I have, I have a whole episode on burnout coming out. And the truth is like burnout working so much is so culturally normal. Sex is this area of pleasure, which sometimes can be more pleasure than work. Right. Um, and pleasure in a really innate, beautiful way that doesn't require money and tasks and job, you know, structure. It's literally something you can do on your own, but we're not taught that pleasure. And I love that you're teaching your son about the pleasure with food, because it actually relates so perfectly with, with cultivating a really active or healthy sex life and a healthy way of pleasuring yourself. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And he's amazing. He's like, you know, he's, he's like a sponge, you know, and I feel like, you know, my husband, who's also a bigger guy was, um, I don't want to say shamed as a child, but there was more intensity around food in the family home. And so he, always felt like he was being watched or he always felt like, should I be eating this or should I be eating that? And I've, I've seen how that has manifested in him as a grown man and the amount of work that he's had to do to kind of unwind and detangle himself from all of that. And I don't want to do that to my kid. I want to just set him up to, to feel really good about himself, but it's, it's not easy. I don't know what I'm doing from day to day. 
I'm just trying to figure it out. I think that's a message a lot of women need to hear. Um, Absolutely. And you know what? I want to end this episode off talking about women who aren't in relationships. Mm -hmm. And if a woman, say a client came to you and they are not feeling their best in their body, they may have gained weight. Maybe this is after the quarantine and like their, their whole world, all of our worlds got flipped upside down and they're like trying to get back into the dating scene. But like, let's be real. It can be really hard to be confident when like this whole year has been a hot mess I'm sure your diet has been a hot mess express. And then now you're struggling with not fitting in your pants. How can women start to feel confident, even if they're not at their goal weight to be able to put themselves out there, which arguably I think is so hard, so hard. Mm -hmm. Well, buy new pants, right? I mean, (laughs) buy buy new pants that fit your body. Now buy new pants that highlight the extra juice that you have now stay on your journey. If you're committed to losing weight, amazing. But, but don't wait till you get, I'm sure you talk about this all the time. Don't wait till you get where you want to go to enjoy your life. Don't wait till you get where you want to go to share your value, your humor, your beauty, your vivaciousness with people who want to meet you. I mean, and also like date yourself first, right? Fall in love with yourself first. You're never going to find the partner of your dreams if you are not in love with yourself first. I really believe that's like an impossibility. Amen. I completely agree with you, Dana. I like times a million. Yeah. So date yourself first, buy some new pants, you know, rub your body, like put some lotion on your body, rub up your boobies, stand in the mirror and be like, I deserve the best partner ever. And I'm going to find them. And then, you know, when I met my husband 18 years ago on match.com, I was just at the front door. I love that you guys met on match. We were like the original. We were like, it was so early in the online dating game, but now it's like crazy. (laughs) I understand it's a very different landscape, but I was ready. I, I took weeks and weeks to date myself. I took weeks and weeks to really tune in to what I wanted in my man. I wrote it down I ritualized it. I masturbated on it. I orgasmed out to the cosmos and like pulled him down with my golden lasso. And I was also doing the practical side, right? Meeting a bunch of guys, going out on a million first dates that went nowhere. And I stuck with it because I believed, again, that unwavering belief. And this was a bit of a leap of faith for me to really believe that I was going to find that true love that I deserve that true love. I just made that choice. I said, I'm going to believe that I'm actually going to believe that. Cause it's scary. It oh my is. God. Will I find that partner? Will I have that happy life? No matter how confident you are, there is that question, that uncertainty, will it happen for me? And I made that decision. I said, I'm going to believe it's going to happen for me. And it happened for me. Yeah. It was a lot of bad first dates, but then I found my king. I love it. Yeah. And th- there's going to be a lot of bad dates, guys. Like I'm oh, living of that. And I will say like at TSN, I'm always like, don't be desperate. Like the desperate girl at the bar begging for this guy who literally wants nothing to do with you. Like, don't be that way when trying to lose weight. Like you have to welcome success into your life, but I actually believe you have to welcome love and that opportunity for love with someone else into your life. And I know just personally for me, like I like stopped dating in college. I was like my freshman year. I was sick of the guys, sick of like people just like not giving enough about me, not respecting my bold personality and all things there. And like actually hearing about me. 
And then what do you know? I literally met my husband in the bar at mm-hmm. Florida state my freshman year. And it was because I took a step back and I'm like, I love my damn self. Just like you said, that same stuff to yourself. Like you yeah. have to love yourself to now, even, even if you don't love the way that you look, or there's yeah. things that you want to change, or you're not where you want to be in your career. Like you have to love yourself now to welcome that love in your life. For totally. Sure. The only moment we have is now. I just lost a a close friend about six, seven weeks ago, and it really drove that message home. Like the only moment we have is now. So 20 pounds up or 20 pounds down or this deal with work or that deal with work, like F all that. This is the moment. Love yourself now because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So don't miss on the joy of this particular day, this moment in time. That's a big thing. It's a big thing to catch on to. Find pleasure in every day. I had to say that's right. That's right. That's right. I love it. Thank you so much for being on Dana. Any last bits of words or wisdom for the TSN community? Oh my gosh. Well, um, hashtag put some pleasure on it, you know, make a date with yourself, get a great new vibrator and pleasure yourself. And, um, the, the, the idea of rooting and blooming into who you are today, instead of running and reaching for who you might become tomorrow, like grab onto that nugget and, uh, and bring it into your heart. I love it. And just to end off, can you share where we can find you on social media? Yes, you can find me at Dana Myers XOXO and you can check out my sexy beauty brand Booty Parlor at Booty Parlor. I love it. And all this is in the show notes, babes. Thank you, Dana. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Mm-hmm.